0: Hello and welcome to Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest.
1: I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today, welcome to episode 102. 102. 102, and we're going to talk about living in the tension and my supposition John Mm -hmm. and you can either I will either persuade you of this or you will correct me (laughs) my supposition is that if you follow Jesus he's going to lead you into tension and that uh, our choice is our preference is to avoid tension right so we look for a way to frame our faith in such a way that will remove the tension Mm -hmm. but the tension is the point yeah, there's a, a common
0: thing in um, uh, searching for people who have who gone missing in the wilderness. And nine times out of ten, they go downhill. Just because... Interesting. where water is. Gravity takes you down there easier than it goes uphill. And Every now and again, there was a really touching story of a, a dad who was looking for his son who had been missing in the Olympic National Park, actually, for two years or a year. He'd been it, missing that long? Yeah. And the dad said he would go uphill. He said, he said I, th- I just have a feeling. And uh, some hikers or some uh, um, national, they were observing like gophers or something. <laughs> they found bones up there that were his son, and he was right. He had gone uphill. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, just died of the elements. They went up there, and they um, had made a little vigil for him there. They, they buried, had an actual funeral for him, but him and his, his family went up there and had a thing. It was very touching, just that he knew his son that well, that he would have gone uphill, even though everyone told him he wouldn't have.
1: Man. We drifted deep in a hurry,
0: just introducing the topic. I know.
1: I'm sorry. I I was just. It reminded me of the story, and I was like, "Man, that was that was that's a touching story." But it it's is. sad. When you usually when somebody tells me a story is touching, it's going to move me in a warm <laughs> way. You you sent me to despair. Were you not moved deeply, sadly? Well, I happen to know for a fact <laughs> this next story is going
0: to be happy and funny.
1: Yes, because it is Joker story time. It Joker and it's story my time. turn. Yes. And I don't tell moving sad stories <laughs> <laughs> at joking story time. I, I apologize. That uh, was wrong place, I'm wrong just time. giving you a hard time. So uh, my story goes back to my teen years in high school. I met my freshman year. I met a guy who became a lifelong friend. We are good friends now. In fact, in a few mm-hmm. weeks, I'll be going to Dallas for a conference, and I will stay over to see my mother and to spend a couple nights with this guy and his family. Nice, and his name is Dougal. Well, that's not his. That's not his name. <laughs> uh, I. His name is Dave McDougal, and I called him Dougal the our whole relationship. Uh-huh. So much so that his dad, when when his dad was alive, and we would talk about, he would whenever he would call me or we would talk, he would refer to his son as Dougal. <laughs> Did he do it to, to Dougal one on one, or just uh, I don't know? But anytime I was around, that's very funny. Yeah, so. We met at a poker game uh, at the lunch break. There, my freshman year in high school, at lunch, a group of us would get together and play poker, um, or we would uh, flip coins, uh, even or odd for the for the quarters. We flip quarters. We got to where we floated dollars. What is that? It's just like quarters. You crease the dollar long way down the middle. Oh, and you'd hold get, it up and yeah. let it flop, you know, to the ground like a leaf, and you would call even or odd. And uh, if you were right, you got both dollars. And if you were wrong, the other guy got both dollars. So this isn't just for fun. This is, this is. Oh, this is gambling. I mean, I really enjoyed gambling. And with Dougal, I almost had to file a tax return. I made so much money off him. (laughs) Poor guy never got to eat lunch because he would lose all his money at the lunch poker game. So uh, anyway, I, I became a Christian right after meeting him. I meant no more dollar uh, games. No, it didn't. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it probably should have, but I was new. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I wanted I wanted to get Dougal to church, you know, because he's my friend. Sure. How long have you known him at this point? Um, well, uh, he knew my dad, and I didn't become a Christian until after my dad died. That's one of the meaningful things about Dougal in my life. He's he's I think he's my only friend who actually knew my dad. That's pretty, yeah. And that, so that's, that's pretty not cool. Nothing. And him and my dad had a very funny relationship. My dad I loved bet. to poke Dougal. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, uh, what was I saying? You were saying you got to get him to church. Oh, yeah. I wanted to get him to church. I was, I fell in love with my church as soon as I became a Christian. I'm all in, man. I mean, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. And I want to get my buddies to become Christians, too. So I couldn't. I kept telling Dougal, you got to go to church with me to youth group. You got to go. No, I'm not. Yeah. Come on, man. You got to go. Well, at this point in Dougal's life, he had never had a date. Sure. And I said, dude, the chicks come in by the bus (laughs) road. And he's like, really? I said, oh, yeah. And he said, okay, I'll go. So Uh I take him on a Wednesday night, and we're standing around talking. And we always played volleyball before it all began. And Mm -hmm. it was just a fun place to be. And uh, he kept saying, when does the bus of girls arrive? (laughs) Now imagine
0: him, like, he slicked his hair, he's wearing, right. like, cologne. <laughs>
1: it probably was like that. Uh, anyway, we have been, life Dougal is a friend who would give the shirt off his back. He is a brother. Um, and he's the kind of friend you have. I don't know if you have friends like this, John, but uh, you've been friends for so long, you've actually hated each other's guts at times <laughs> and sure. almost wanted to kill each other at times, uh, but we're still lifelong friends, so... Uh, that's my Dougal story, and uh, the the moral of the story is: if you got to lie to get your friend to go to church with you, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask, were you lying? <laughs> were, the, were there not very many? Oh, there were some girls there, but there weren't any busloads. <laughs> and uh, he he took me quite literally. Well, probably because you said so. Well, and he trusted his friend. Yeah, he didn't know I was a liar at that point. It paid off in the end, I guess. Yeah, but. yeah. So that's my that's my Dougal story from high school, and. Um, We've lifelong friends, all right, we're going to talk about this reality that um the call of Jesus is a call to some confusion mm mm-hmm. Some tension, some tension uh, i'm going to write i'm going to read this sentence the way I wrote it down in my notes, okay, sure, life in the kingdom of God is all poetry. This is so poetic this whole thing this doesn't sound like me. I was, yeah, yeah. Life in the kingdom of God is all poetry, governed by both paradox and irony. Dash, the resolution of opposites. That's what I want to talk about. That, that doesn't sound like you at all. <laughs> You've read that to me before, and I, even then, I was like, "What?" <laughs> well, I may have heard it somewhere, but I wrote it in my journal a long time ago, and I keep adding to my notes about the different paradoxes and ironies uh, that are included in following Jesus and this idea of the resolution of opposites. So I want to dive into this John and then I want to I want to explore is it really true that life with Jesus is a life of tension and how do we reconcile that with my yoke is easy my burden is light sure and the reality that Jesus rarely appeared to be having any tension. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh you got any thoughts so far? Well, yeah. Uh, first, just a mini story. I was thinking
0: about. I could save this for later, but it's it's just too small. We're in Haiti. I was there uh, when I was eighteen, my, after my senior year of high school. And you went you went on that trip too. And I'm reading uh, Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury, one of my favorites. Maybe I'll get into it one day for a show and tell. And I said, "Man, you got to read this page." And you know, Ray Bradbury's <laughs> he he's not there to be succinct. He's he's there to have
1: fun. He's with, the most uh, wordy dude maybe in the history of the world one of them and so
0: you you were like man i could have wrote what's on that page in one sentence <laughs> and you hated it and so it's really funny to me that this is this is an engaging thought for you this poetry and now
1: wait a second what's that well that guy used you know he would say sentences like this john's faded denim shirt from 1973 <laughs> was open down the middle with a beige cream colored Uh, henley that looks like it had survived the civil war and he would just you know use as many words as possible to describe the scene am i not right i would say you were wrong actually that is that's not bad and that's
0: (laughs) you know our (laughs) listeners now know exactly what i'm wearing um but no he would say there's one room he's describing a a empty room like the walls are all bare Mm -hmm. and he says uh they are like the three brows of knelt giants
1: all like leaning their having their heads together. What 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 kind of image is that? That's so crazy. I can't even picture that cuz I don't understand a word you just said. That's part of my frustration with him.
0: Anyway, I
1: love this kind of stuff. So I'm all I, I know you do and I would <laughs> I would like to hear from any reader, I mean any listener, any listener who understood what you just said. Well, maybe you know, about read it. the blank walls and the do it again. I don't know, but I don't know actually what <laughs> like the word for word, but I remember
0: the metaphor, the imagery. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my my we had a conversation similar to this about um, living in conflict or things that seem to be in conflict, but really are both simply true at the same time. And that was more um, really complicated earthly scenarios. And this is kind of about the nature of God or what it is to, to be a
1: Christ follower. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so you're going to, you got more to say about that.
0: Well, yeah, just that, um, you know, like you said, Jesus is like the ultimate paradox or the ultimate, um, uh, two things at once. And he had no problem with it. So we talk about, you know, if, if the hypothesis is that Christians, um, are called to live in tension Mm -hmm. and we're called to look exactly like Jesus. And he was, I guess my question would be, was Jesus living in tension in, in his time on earth? Was he here feeling tension?
1: Well, let's get into some of these. And I think you will find, yes, he was living in the tension, but without tension. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, Ray Bradbury. (laughs)
0: Take take us there. Well,
1: Well, yeah, take us there, Skitch. Yeah. Um, So I'll just give you a couple of thoughts, and then we can kind of go from there. Sure. Okay. So uh, one of them is the the paradox of if you try really hard to live for yourself, you will lose yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. And conversely, if you give yourself entirely to God, you will, in fact, find yourself right. Well, this, I would. These are less
0: paradoxes than this is. Is what I would say the irony. This is the dramatic irony oh, okay, there of you kind go. of the yeah the deal. If
1: you want to be first, be dead last. Mm-hmm. And if you choose to go first, you are dead last. Right. It gets
0: even crazier. So this this is what comes to mind for me. This is John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. And um, he makes himself least in a lot of ways. Yes. Right. And then when Jesus is describing him, he says, you know, no person born of a womb has been greater than John the Baptist. That's a pretty huge statement. Man, what an endorsement, huh? Uh Uh-huh. And then he says, and yet any of the least of you is greater than him in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. But he was already living this kind of. Least is the greatest life. He was. I should. I must decrease. He must increase. Yeah. Uh, His sandals. I'm not worthy to untie. So this is a big circle. If he's the least and the greatest, and the least and the greatest, (laughs) is this just like what is this? You know, is that just infinity? Oh, John. I get. I get lost. You read too many books from that guy. What's his name? I'm not even telling you. But this is what I'm saying. This is the tension, right? Of all. No, these these
1: are the ironies. We'll get to the tensions in a minute. Okay. These are the ironies. Uh, if you if you are strong, you are in fact weak. But when you are weak, you are in fact strong. Hmm. If you the the greatest is the servant of all, not the one who sits at the table, but the one who serves the table. And if you insist on the seat of honor,
0: you are nothing. You're saying it almost like Mister Miyagi, like you should be stroking your long. <laughs> Fu Manchu chin, chin hairs. I hate Fu Manchus. <laughs> uh,
1: death is life. Uh, slavery is actually freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, the poor are rich, and the rich are to be pitied because everything they've acquired is going to go away to someone else. It will become nothing. Yeah, You can't take it with you, blah, blah, blah. The persecuted are blessed. And those who avoid persecution or run from persecution are, um, what would you say? Well, the opposite of
0: blessed is cursed, probably.
1: But I don't, yeah, know if, I don't think that's got cursed. a lot of
0: baggage. That's a sticky word.
1: Okay, here's more irony. God dies for sinners. The mm-hmm. creator gives up his life for the rebels against him. He is, I love this sentence that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> He is the only one strong enough to be weak enough to die so that we might live. Mm-hmm. I love that thought. That's I'm reading um,
0: uh, Mere Christianity for the first time. Mm. And C.S. Lewis, his thing about that is um, the only person who can submit and die perfectly is the person who cannot submit or die. And so he makes it possible for himself to submit and die. And then he does that perfectly because we can't even do that perfectly. Man. And he
1: does it on our behalf. You know, I love that. And that's that's the I've been thinking about this a lot, that Adam, after he sinned, decided to hide from God. And yet there was nothing in his experience with God that would indicate that God is someone from whom one should hide. Right. But he does it and he hides and. God is so uh, unhappy with the hiding that he does this thing. He becomes flesh so that he can enter death because the consequence of sin is death. Yeah. And to liberate us, to overcome death, he has to enter into death and God cannot die. Right. So he takes on a human body so that he can enter into death so that he can get into death and destroy it for his enemies. Yeah. What an amazing. I mean, that's just. That's just unreal. It's
0: amazing, and I have a, I have a question there about tension already. But but if you want to keep going, on, it's my irony. So I'm I'm good for that too.
1: Okay, one more statement, and then I'll then the tensions are coming next. Okay, uh, seeing life this way helps us live in the tension and paradox, and the irony. Mm-hmm. So this is the this is counterintuitive, is the way I I don't know what the word irony really means here. I'm, I might be using it correctly, but I have no idea because. I'm kind of thrown off on what irony is. Isn't it ironic? You meet the man of your dreams and then you meet his beautiful wife. (laughs) Uh, It's a song. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I had the same thing because I understand ironic humor. Mm -hmm. And I was always like, I get that. And then people would use this phrase dramatic irony. And I was like, Yeah, what is that? I don't know what that means. It turns out it just means any amount of fictional storytelling moments. It, it, it is, um, Let me think of one. It would be Luke Skywalker finding the droid with the message from Princess Leia on it. And he turns out to be the son of Darth Vader. It's it's one of the odds of that. And it creates a big theatrical moment. Gotcha. With lots of drama. That is dramatic irony. Yeah. Um, One
1: of your sisters just had to have oral surgery from cracking two of her teeth opposite of each other on a certain jaw. Ooh. And she cracked those teeth, gritting her teeth because she worked so hard. Oh, man. And so as I'm driving her to oral surgery, I say, isn't it ironic that you gritted your teeth to earn the money you needed to pay for your teeth <laughs> to get fixed?
0: <laughs> that's comedic irony. I don't think that's dramatic. Oh, irony. okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones. It'd be like a lot of them are just narrative. Like imagine, you know, Macbeth or, or Romeo and Juliet. The, the fact that they both miss each other. Like he fakes his death. She thinks he's really dead, so she actually kills herself. Then he wakes up, she sees that she's dead, and he kills himself. Yeah, that's dramatic
1: irony. Yeah, the fable where the guy, um, the guy sells something to buy his wife a ribbon for her hair because they're both poor, but she cuts her hair and sells it to buy him a there thing for go. the thing he sold. Right, tell tell me the joke
0: about the uh, uh, rich guy and he's hanging out with a, a Hispanic fisherman. Oh. That's a long story. Okay, Let's, we'll save that for we'll later. save that for. Another it's more time. more irony, but yes. uh, in this context, then it makes sense that the you to become rich, uh, in the truest sense, you become poor in the um, material
1: crude sense. Right. Yes, but turns out God doesn't require poverty of you because many of God's favorite people were in fact very wealthy. Mm-hmm. King David, Abraham. You know, there's lots of people who were pleasing to God and had immense wealth. Job. Job. Yeah. And so uh, God's not asking you for poverty. Uh, so there's part of the tension. Am I supposed to be prosperous, which the gospel, the prosperity gospel tells me, and it takes real verses in the Bible and, yeah. and tells you God is going to bless you. Uh, but am I supposed to be a martyr where I die for my faith? Mm-hmm. At which one is it? Am I supposed to be prosperous or am I supposed to be poor? Self-inflicted poor, servant poor. So much of
0: um of the New Testament writings about being at peace with everybody. But to to the to the most extent that you can, yeah. be at peace with literally everybody. And then but blessed is he who suffers and when you suffer, you are becoming like Jesus and you cannot share in his
1: glory unless you share in his suffering. And everyone who lives godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution because mm-hmm. Jesus is the stumbling stone to the entire world. And if you're attached to him, people who oppose Jesus will oppose you. So that's a fact of life. If you're not experiencing any persecution, you might want to consider how radically aligned with Jesus you actually are, because Mm -hmm. he is a tension creator. So do you have a list of more of the the tensions? Oh, I do. Let's hear them. You want to hear them? I want to hear them. I want to hear where you're at so far, because I think right now what what we're really at in my mind is is the counterintuitive nature of the gospel. Here's what I think. That we tend to have Americanized the gospel so yeah. that if you love Jesus and serve Jesus well, you're going to enjoy the American dream better than most people do. <laughs> and sure. I think that's a mistake because that that is not the whole story. And in fact, what Jesus is calling you is to descend into greatness and that uh, selling all for the pearl of great price or for the treasure in the field, this is the gospel. If we join him in his sufferings, that we might also join him in his resurrection, that um, that we have a tendency to only want half the story. Yeah, And that um, God's ways are so different than our ways that if we were to guess what God would want us to have or do or be, we would probably guess wrong until we learn to understand his uh, guidance, his word, and his ways so that we might choose more wisely. For example, if a little kid's getting picked on at school by the bully and your your impulse is knock that sucker out. right? Don't look for fights, but don't run from one. I've heard lots of people tell their kids this. Mm-hmm. Don't go looking for fights, but don't you ever run from one. And if a guy tries to take you on, you knock him on his butt, mm-hmm. Right. And part of me says, yeah, right. (laughs) But I hear Jesus say, pray for those who persecute you. And if somebody strikes you on the right cheek, turn on the left. I don't know anybody who does that. Yeah. So do we believe that? Is that really true? Or is that just cute? That's just idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. It's beautiful.
0: Exactly. (laughs) That that looks really nice on on the little piece of driftwood up on your counter over your kitchen. Yeah. Um, A lot of this, the one that jumps out to me is when I was reading... For not the first time, but the first time in a long time, the, um, moment where Jesus is washing his disciples feet and he, and you know, um, incredible, incredible, powerful moment. And I was like, what an empowering moment for the followers of Jesus, Mm -hmm. because I, you know, I read half the passage where he said, you know, I did this for you. And then he says, so that Mm -hmm. you might do this for everyone else. Yeah. And And so that's
1: in that same conversation. If you want to be the greatest, because they were always arguing which of us is the greatest. Right. Well, if you want to be that guy, then take up your towel and start washing feet. Right. So then it,
0: then it's, um, if you, if you take both, then there's the tension, you know, you are the adopted child of the king of the universe. Mm -hmm. Um, but his blood child was, you know, persecuted and suffered willingly, made himself the least of everybody. So, uh, it is much easier to take half of that to be like, well, man, don't put me down. I've, I've got worth. Well, I, it says so in the book, right? Instead of taking both at the same time. And so, uh, that's less tension to me than it is irony because it's, um, the Bible says how to do both. You're not like, well, how do I do, you know, you're not how scratching I, your head. Uh, So how, how do I do both? It just says, <laughs> it's like, it's a recipe for putting something in the oven. It says, if you want to be the greatest, be the least. Okay. That's the answer.
1: Okay. So then why don't I do that? Why don't I trust that? Why don't I do that? Well, I, for me, I remember one time
0: I told the story about a senior group, uh, senior high school group a little bit ago. I'll tell another one here. We're in senior high school group. I was a senior in high school where all, all my friends come over for a, a little um, rendezvous. Yeah. And uh, some the question was basically about knowing right from wrong. I, forget, I honestly forget the question. But I said, you know, there's a difference between knowing it and doing. it. Mm-hmm. And um, and another guy there, I honestly forget who it was, but he gave me the funniest look. He's like, no, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I was a pretty dumb 18-year-old, but I was right about that, and I still am. There yeah. is a very big difference. I completely have styled my life around the truths of Scripture to the extent that I mostly can. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm sitting on my couch, you know, getting ready to binge a show and I got a text from a friend, it doesn't make me want to do that anymore. That needs help or something, you know, right, to help me right. move or, uh, you know, something bad just happened. It doesn't make me want to do that more. It just means I know I should. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: And so you either will or you won't and you still get to choose. Yeah. Uh, here's some, some more tension. Okay. Am I supposed to be content? Contentment with godliness is great gain. But I'm also on mission trying to accomplish and grow my influence, you know, steward my resources. Um, So is it okay to be um, ambitious? Yeah. Can I be ambitious or does contentment mean that I have no drive? Right. Uh, What about am I supposed to lament as a Christian at the misery and the death and the disease in the world? Or am I supposed to laugh and be absurdly happy? Because my sin is forgiven and Jesus is Lord. Yeah, I mean, you read, um, you know, so many
0: Psalms and the, well, most, oh, basically the, all the writings of Solomon. So the Psalms and the Ecclesiastes, when he says, you know, um, the wise are in the house of mourning and the foolish are in the house of rejoicing. Yes. And so, how do you how do you um, what's the word I am looking for? Reconcile, reconcile. That's exactly it. That with you know the other the yeah. former, he said,
1: "Am I a sinner or am I a saint?"
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm called saints in the scriptures and I am called holy to all the holy people, to all God's holy children. Yeah, uh, I am holy positionally, but I'm also still quite capable of sin mm-hmm. and incapable of not sinning. So am I a sinner or am I a saint? Am I free in Christ or am I a slave? Mm. So do I live this freedom or do I live as a slave? Am I supposed to preach it, or am I supposed to live it? Do we lift up our voices, or do we lay down our lives? uh hmm. as witnesses? Am I called to abundance, or am I called to martyrdom? I can see scriptural calls for both, yeah uh Paul used a phrase we possess we we own everything while possessing nothing, right. And um, I enjoy everything without being owned by anything. Mm -hmm. These are tension points. And what we tend to do is prefer a life without tension. So what we do is we get focused on the abundance passages. And we say, I'm supposed to live abundantly, you know. Um, And if I have the capacity to earn great wealth, I mean, it's just in me. There are people who have this, man, they just have it. They can produce enormous wealth. Sure. Should they not just so they can be um, modest Mm -hmm. or are they supposed to produce great wealth? And then how much are they supposed to give away? And what does it mean to possess everything but own nothing? Um, There's a lot of tension points in our faith. And the desire I have is to have no tension. Man, I want I want a no tension life. Right. So are you. Are you jobbing with what I'm saying? Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Another big one for me is the fear
0: of the fear of God. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. all at once we're supposed to fear the Lord. The fear of God is the beginning of of understanding, beginning of wisdom. Uh, but then we're supposed to go to Him like kids, like little children.
1: So, yeah. How do I do both? How do I fear God and yet feel incredibly comfortable and safe with God?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, that one. You know, and a lot of these for me. Um, most of these are reconcilable in Scripture. Almost basically all of them. For me, the bigger tensions are the ones where I think I don't know the answer to that and I don't know how to figure out the answer to that and it feels weak to me. It feels like a structural weakness where if that got poked a little too hard, um, I I worry. So it's almost like um, the drive... This might surprise you, but sometimes I have something that I'm worried about or stressed about and the... That drives me to just do it. It doesn't happen often. I know you're you're surprised <laughs> that it happens at all, but it does uh, more and more, which is actually you know praise God. So this same thing. Sometimes I'll have a tension, an unreconciled tension in, in my understanding of of um, theology, of the way God works, and it'll drive me to seek out the answer. But other other ones just kind of sit there, and either because I don't know how to find the answer, or there are multiple takes on it. Mm-hmm. So those are what really eat me up. And this is kind of stuff like um, uh, the requirements for salvation. You know, all who call in the name of, of the Lord are, will be saved. Compared to um, you know, you must be perfect as your Father is perfect, and uh, uh, the you know sexually immoral people will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And right. these behavior specific qualifications, and then very behavior
1: non specific qualifications. Right. These kinds of things are the ones that really get me. The big ones. You know what I'm saying. So, I'm well, I'm sure there's other big ones that don't get you that that might get somebody else.
0: Probably. And a lot of those are ones I've already reconciled in a way that's pleasing to me or that satisfies me. Can you give me an example of one you've reconciled? Well, all of these, I mean, I've, none of these have been like, oh, I don't know the answer to that one. You know, it's like I get why it's tough to live. That's what I mean. Living it versus actually.
1: Okay. So let me ask you a question. Understanding it. Um, Now we're getting into how do I live my life? Are you supposed to be live an abundant life or are you supposed to live a martyr life?
0: Uh, I think there is no, well, martyrdom. I might not put in that same thing, but, but you mean poor or rich, right?
1: No martyrdom. Um, when Jesus is promising the Holy spirit, that you'll be baptized with the Holy spirit and you will be my witnesses. And the word witness is the word martyrion. Okay. The way we bear witness for Jesus effectively is to die to ourselves. Well, but, but I mean on the, the topic of money, yeah.
0: Specifically. Uh I think scripturally there is no inherent value in either one. Uh it is not commendable to be wealthy, and it's not commendable necessarily to be poor. Right. You know, we have a lot of verses, blessed are the poor, but each one it is it's so it's such a personal um gospel. It is, you know, to do unto God whatever you have, whatever he's given to you for your specific um lot, your specific job.
1: Yeah. So Let's try my uh theory that mm-hmm. if you follow Jesus, he's going to lead you right square in the middle of tension. Sure. And so he's going to lead you in a place where an enemy is going to hurt you and you have to decide how to respond to that enemy. When do I stand up for myself? When do I demand my rights? And when do I surrender my rights? And well, and this is this is
0: kind of a a recent one for me that's really I'm always surprised at how um, radical we really are supposed to be, like to the extent that we are really supposed to like, do I really got to do that? And like, mm-hmm. honestly, yeah. So I think of, uh, it hit me just like a week ago, uh, Timothy. And I, I, for whatever, you know, Paul is obviously, he's like, he's he's Russell Wilson. He's the quarterback mm-hmm. of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I never think of Timothy. And um, I was reading and, you know, it says, uh, he's half Greek, half Jew. And uh, when he go, he's going to go with Paul to these churches mm-hmm. and they, he, they circumcise him, they circumcise him and they have him start living by the law. Yeah. As to not be a stumbling block to the, to the Jews who they'll be preaching to the gospel to. And I was like, if that was me, man, I'm a grown man. He's a grown man at that point. <laughs> he's not a kid, Timothy. He's oh, he's a young man, but he's an adult, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I'd be like, i Jesus said, I don't got to do this. You guys say I don't got to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like that is that's really, really um, the extent to which he forfeited his rights in that moment for the sake of these unrich
1: people uh, is is really inspiring. It is, and we have this is what it is to be a follower of Jesus because we join him, right? We we participate with him yeah. in his death and in his resurrection, and we follow him, Jesus, who was rich became poor that you might become rich. Yeah. And in Philippians two, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be used to his own advantage, but emptied himself and took on the form of a servant, and then lived a servant's life and even became obedient to death, even murdered on a cross. This is the this is the depths to which he goes, he who is great to become nothing for the sake of his enemies. Yeah. How in the world am I supposed to do that? And um, while I'm, you know, this is what it is to be the king's kid. This is what it is to be the special kid. Right. (laughs) This is what it is to be to be the, the, you know, your dad is the king of everything. You don't get the royal treatment. The royal treatment is to empty yourself and become nothing, to join him in his servanthood. Mm -hmm. This is so counterintuitive and so opposite of what we tend to witness. Um, Christians that get the most publicity or respect in any church. Are the wealthiest successful business people who have great marriages who live in really nice homes? this is kind of the bent is, right man they are they love Jesus and they're kicking butt in the american world <laughs> right and uh that's ironic that's I'm not sure this is why I think any of us if we had been alive during the day of Jesus, we would have missed it too. We would have said this doesn't smell right to me right and
0: I have more I have actual questions that i' that I do struggle with as far as this tension. Uh, do you want to do our commercial break and, and review real quick and then dive yeah in that?
1: yeah and I want to, we're gonna we're gonna modify the review even though you're gonna probably do a book today mm-hmm. we're gonna make it a change we're gonna widen that up where um, show uh, where show and tell or story time or uh, show and tell or the review is a media view a mm-hmm. Jim and John media moment yeah and we will talk about either a book a movie or music mm-hmm. that we love. So, uh, and you're going to pick a book again? Yeah, it'll be a book
0: this week just because I was, uh, there's this thing. If I go the whole day thinking, we're going to eat tacos tonight. And then it's like, oh, taco place is closed. I got to have tacos tonight. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like a weird, I don't want to misuse the word OCD because it's not OCD, but right. it's, it's a hang up. Yeah. Same thing. I was going to talk about a book. I got to talk about a book. Okay. Uh, so I've watched for the first time recently, I'll start by talking about a movie, which is kind of funny, but uh, the Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Um, extended edition. It's the first time I'd ever seen any of the Lord of the Rings movies. Wow. Uh and growing up this was hot stuff, man. This was like all my friends were obsessed with Lord of the Rings. All the church parents were fine with the kids watching it, even though it's really intense and dark because it was written by a Catholic and it's you know it's, it's, it has a lot of great morals to it. It does. But it's funny to me. Harry Potter's a no no, but but you can you can watch these orcs <laughs> murder whoever you want. Anyway, um be, I wanted to wait till I read the books, the Lord of the sure. Rings books. And Lord of the Rings is great, uh, and I think so. I mentioned C.S. Lewis earlier. What I'm actually going to talk about right now is um, the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, which I did around by way of getting here. If this was on paper, I'd be deleting. What right does now that and have re-writing. to do with Lord of the Rings? I'm going to tell you. Okay, Lord of the Rings is very respected, very very respected uh, inside the church, outside the church. People love Lord of the Rings, and Narnia is um, appreciated. But not respect. People don't respect Narnia like Lord of the Rings. It's not liter- It's not. It's not for adults as much, and very much so. It was written for a younger audience. For he wrote sure. it for his grandkids, didn't he? Or his, his or, children? His own children. I don't I think, think he ever had kids. Huh. He only got married uh, in his forties, and then his wife died two years later. Anyway, uh, these books are incredible. I'd recommend them to any adult. I read them. I got. I had the the nicest post. High school summer job any lucky young man's ever had. Much, much of it in the early summer. I was sitting in a lawn chair by a lake reading Chronicles of Narnia uh, before it got really <laughs> on the busy, clock. On the clock, yeah. Before it got really and busy, you were renting
1: though. out you were renting out uh, canoes and kayaks and and helping people into their boats and yeah. and it got
0: nuts. It got to where I was really really busting my butt. But early season and a lot of times you know you'd have a day where you just you just read. And uh, anyway, so I read all, all of Narnia. And I had read a few of them when I was a kid. Um, well, actually, I guess earlier in high school, like freshman year or uh, younger than that. But um, the it's I think one of the things is you're talking about allegory, right? You're talking about the power of, to use fiction to teach lessons. Yeah. Lord of the Rings is way more subtle. No one character in
1: Lord of the Rings is Jesus of Lord of the Rings. And I think that's why maybe it gets more respect.
0: Yeah, but you got to wonder how effective that is to a non-believer. Uh, we had a woman come teach at Northwest who, um, through the writings of CS Lewis, she didn't even know, she didn't know the messaging of, uh, of Chronicles of Narnia. She didn't know that Aslan was Jesus. She just loved these books and she was a, an atheist. And then when she, um, she hears, uh, the word preached and, um, all of these concepts are familiar. She's like, I kind of I kind of already know what you're talking about. And then she comes to learn about the history of C. S. Lewis, and bam, she had been being preached to, reading these books on repeat yeah, yeah. without even knowing. It, and it just clicked. I think the same could be said about Lord of the Rings, and when I was reading it eventually, um, it is less subtle than I thought it was going to be in Return of the King. Aragorn is like full blown Jesus in that book. Like it's it's very clear. But not maybe not to the extent that a non believer to that extent would be in Narnia. All I wanted to say here... I've gone too long. They are very, very, very good uh, fantasy books. Mm-hmm. You, I would probably start... Well, I would start from the beginning. I'd start from The Magician's Nephew, which isn't the... It's the chronological beginning. But anyway, if I would recommend one, it would be The Dawn Treader, which is book four. Uh, or it would be The Silver Chair, which I think is book six. Uh, but give some respect to Chronicles of Narnia, man. It's really good. I just love it. I like C.S. Lewis a lot. and uh, And his apologetics work speaks for itself. Maybe we'll talk about that later. But that's my book review. Yeah, it's uh, books are awesome. And I love Lord of the Rings. That'll be, um, one week it'll be Lord of the Rings, one of my favorite series of all time. I just felt my my heart well, goes out yeah. to see as Lewis. I yeah, and, and,
1: and Chronicles of Narnia does not get the publicity it deserves. It,
0: man, there's some incredible, I teared up at parts of Chronicles of Narnia. I didn't tear up, well, actually I did in Lord of the Rings too. It's not, for, not the time. That'll be later. All right, all right. Anyway. Hey, here's our
1: commercial break.
2: Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives, and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com, where you can learn more about the Father-Son Duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation.
0: All right, welcome back. Uh, this is episode 102. In two weeks, we're doing a special episode where I think, for one, we want to hear what you, if you have any any ideas and what you'd like to see on our our big two year bonanza. As it stands, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna answer some. Uh, Questions that have been submitted to us that we haven't got around to because they couldn't really fit. They couldn't really be a whole episode. Right. So So, do kind of a a jamboree with those.
1: Yeah. So if you uh, if you want to contribute to that, if you want us to talk about something you want to contribute, get it in here in the next week or two. Because for episode 104, it will be entirely made up of listener questions and feedback. From these two years.
0: Yeah. And so because we do, we
1: record about a week before they come out, you got about one week to listen to this. Yeah. You got a week to get us anything you want us to talk about Any on that episode. A question, a funny idea. Uh, for example, one of them is what do we think about aliens? Yeah. Do we believe in aliens? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about conspiracy theories. We're going to talk about uh, advice we would give our high school selves. We're going to do several things like that, all that have come from listeners. So if you have something you want to pile in there, get it to us. And watch for episode one hundred and four, please. Okay, so I feel a little. The first half, I feel like
0: I basically said I don't have any of these tensions, (laughs) and that's not that's not at all true. I was more trying to say the tensions I do have are different than these ones. So, um, so a few of mine that really, really I struggle with get into more practical, uh, like what do I do at this, with this in my life? So again, when I talked about my um. Seeming revelations that it's you—you you are called to be that radical with a lot of the stuff um, in Scripture. At what point does that end? So you know, if you have a person who um, really actually needs a lot of help, and they, um, you know, they have mental health issues and and they just got nobody, and they need a lot of help, and you can't to a certain extent. Uh, where the question is, where do you? When do you draw boundaries mm-hmm. as a Christ follower? And we talked about uh, mental health boundaries, a big part of it. And boundaries are not really talked about in Scripture very much, especially not in the
1: early church. Yeah, and that's a real challenge. Um, You see the tension of boundaries. Uh, For example, when um, Paul and Barnabas go on their missions tour, the first one, Mm -hmm. uh, Mark goes with them. And Mark bails out. Halfway through the trip, he goes home and abandons them. Yeah. So then when they're going to go on round two of this, Barnabas says, well, let's take Mark with us. And Paul says, no, the cat cat bowed out on us. And Barnabas says, no, he's advocating for Mark. So they get so disputed about this that Barnabas takes Mark and goes one way. Paul goes another way with Silas. So they had conflict and it was over. Do I forgive Mark and trust him again or no? He had a shot. Yeah, uh, so it's very much like that, and I don't, I don't think that there is an easy answer to that. Well, and that's you know, in, in that
0: example, um, Paul's trying to Paul's on a mission. He's not on vacation, so he, you could say, it wasn't necessarily about forgiveness. It's about we need a person to the help with the mission. Yeah, we if, need this. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then Silas, obviously, that's an easy one. You know, he's our brother in Christ. Let's just take him. We forgive. You know, no big deal. We've him. He come with us. So you can see both. That's normally when I have when I get confused. And when you think about, um, these radical examples, you know, Paul writes, even if my life should be poured out like a drink offering, um, that's, you know, that's worth it. That that's, that's right. Or it could be right in the eyes of God. So just
1: let's see the, the way I would word this tension. Yeah, is, please. Is when do I, when do I say that's enough? I've given enough. Exactly. And I need to protect what I have left. Exactly. Um, I'm out of emotional resources. I'm getting low on energy or my wife and children need these energies more than I can give to you. Uh, when is that moment? And should I not give till it hurts? And is there a point? Is there a, a other end of that where
0: you'd say, this is kind of crazy, but I actually feel like I should do this. Like, I actually feel like the Lord right, telling me to do this. Right.
1: Yeah. And this is the, this is, this is following Jesus. This is this is uh the the tension of he is my provider my healer mm-hmm. um and yet sometimes um it's interesting tim keller just had an interview uh tim Keller, uh he was pastor of um uh presbyterian church in new york city wonderful guy mm-hmm. written lots of great books i just love tim keller he's battling pancreatic cancer right now i had no idea really yeah since when 2 years okay and um He's retired from pastoring. And in this interview, he said, God gave me pancreatic cancer. In fact, he's his. this article is in The Atlantic. Whoa. And he says, that, and I watched him in this interview, not The Atlantic article, but in this interview, he said it three more times. You know, God gave me pancreatic cancer. And I would never say that. Yeah. But it was interesting to hear him unpack that because he said, when you're in your 70, he's 73. He said, when you turn 70... You don't have decades left. You have years left. And God gave me pancreatic cancer probably for a load of reasons, but a couple of them I know for sure. If I'm going to do- drop dead at 73 of a heart attack or 75 of a heart attack, I'm not going to see that coming. I'm not going to prepare for it. I'm not going to steward really well these years because I know I've only got three left, mm-hmm. but I know what I've got left now. And I'm able to focus and, I'm able to stop wasting time. I'm able to really laser beam my impact, my focus, my love, because I know when the finish line is. And that's a gift. And he said, God gave me pancreatic cancer. So I would focus. I was unfocused. Dang, man. Um, He had another reason. I don't remember what it was, but he but he keeps he's very comfortable using the phrase God gave me pancreatic (laughs) cancer. (laughs) Yeah. And this again is, well, wait, is he our healer? Or does he let us die of cancer? Um, this creates tension. And yeah. we tend to have uh, Christians who say, no, God heals everybody. If you didn't get healed, you don't have the faith because God heals right. everyone. Well, I don't think that's true. I've I mean, already
0: been healed. you just got to claim
1: it. You're and right. Stuff like that. Um, and yet you have not because you ask not. Mm-hmm. So am I not healed because I'm not asking? Do I have a shortage of faith? Or does God want me to be a believer who demonstrates Jesus in the middle of cancer? Uh, man, that can get very confusing. Yeah, Even my saying that I love, this really is a guide for me, that Christians are to be absurdly happy, completely fearless, and constantly in trouble. Uh, these three have produced a grid for me for a real-time assessment of how I'm doing as a Christian. Because if I'm not absurdly happy, then I know I don't understand something because – Man, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and there's nothing but great news for us in Jesus. There is no reason not to be absurdly happy. Mm-hmm. Am I completely fearless? Am I living in fear in some way? That's a symptom. Something's not right because I'm, I'm created by God with his presence in me to be completely fearless. Am I not experiencing any trouble right now? I'm supposed to be constantly in trouble because my faith is going to lead me to uncomfortable situations I'm going to have to have uncomfortable conversations. I'm going to have to give till it hurts. I'm going to have to speak up when somebody's betraying somebody else or hurting someone. I advocate for the uh, the ones who cannot advocate for themselves. Sure, constantly in trouble, and um, this is this is really life in the tension. And do you have any? Are you
0: like me in the first half of this podcast, where you're like I'm I'm kind of above these tensions? I don't. I've understood these tensions. I've reconciled them. Do you have any that that still get at you? They all do. Okay.
1: Because I don't know um, where the lines are. Mm. And, man, our friend Leif Holmes, um, it happens on the day we recorded this, we had Staff Chapel, and Leif did the devotion. And he talked about how um, he's following Jesus, but he keeps wanting to look around Jesus <laughs> right. and see what's ahead on the trail mm-hmm. and uh, hey Jesus, am I on, you know am I doing this right? and what's coming? I want to make sure I'm ready for that and doing it well and he sa- he felt like the Lord said to him, "Just follow me, mm-hmm. Anywhere you need to go, I got you, and you don't need to see what is in front of me. Just see me. I am uh the point right. And that's really helpful to me, but that's what relieves the tension. When I, when I don't have tension, it's because I simplify, I shrink it down to this, Jesus, I'll follow you. What are you saying to me right now? I'll just do that. That's awesome. We'll get down to
0: takeaways. Um, I, I had one of the tensions here. I think we talked about beforehand uh, is, um, you know, with Jesus, his, he says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And yet we're called to a life of servitude, um, uh, self forgetfulness. Um, you know, what is the, 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 how do you reconcile that? And, yeah. um, recently this was another one where I was like, well, how do you reconcile that? Was he just not being truthful? And I think the, uh, for me, the answer to that is, um, life's burden the burden that you, the yoke that you pull without Jesus is way worse. Oh my, it's actually, man, is it ever? So it's not, um, that's a great point. It's not that you're like now on vacation for the remainder of your life. (laughs) It's just that, um, that even that difficult life of servitude, um, and putting every, you know, all these other things above your own needs. Um, even that life is a light life because of these other, because of the ironies, yeah. Because the life of servitude is a life of freedom yeah, and a life of quote unquote freedom that you thought you had mm-hmm. is really a life of bondage to all kinds of worse masters than the other one. So, um, a lot of these, again, I'm, tr- I'm trying not to sound boastful, but a lot of these are easily reconcilable. It's one of the reasons why I think our faith is so airtight because, you know, you read holy works of other faiths and it's, you just go, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so much of the um, circular logic of the way God works that, that initially you go or the, the, I didn't expect that thing that I didn't expect that Jesus would come this way, that he would, that this is how the Messiah would show up. And, and yet you plug it back into Isaiah and it's, it's a perfect match. Yeah. I mean, he wrote about it six or 800 years before he actually did it. And it was airtight enough that, uh, when they were doing, you know, early apologetic stuff, when Paul would go into these churches, he would he would read them Isaiah, yeah. and and reconcile with them, yeah. Or even um, Jesus when he is kind of transfigured after he resurrects and he's walking on the road with um I forget the other two guys' names, but he explains to them why the Messiah, yeah, came the way he did. You know, yeah. This this kind of what the paradox is, I guess what I would say is my takeaway: the the ironies and the tension is what makes God God, anyways. It's what it's what it's a huge um, uh, pillar of my faith, honestly, mm. is is how unique and completely out of left field and, talk about tension, completely um, rock solid uh, logic-wise and meaning That's really interesting, isn't it?
1: It's a big deal for me. Yeah. My takeaway is that um, that this, if you view all of this, the tension, the irony, the paradox, the confusion at times. Yeah. If you view all of that as the beauty and poetic nature of life itself, that you don't even want a life that's not confusing. Sure. Because a simple, clear plastic life is not a a meaningful life. So rather than be tripped up by these or beat yourself up because you can't find the line between prosperity and martyrdom, uh, enjoy the beauty and the poetry of it. And the resolution of two opposing realities, and enjoy the fact that I'm living. It's almost like uh, I think of two opposite magnets, and I'm in the middle, being pulled to both of them, and staying in the middle. I feel the pull of both. I feel their. I feel their tug. Yeah. Um. And I can enjoy that tug instead of fighting it or trying to eliminate it. And I can hear, I can hear a voice right now of a
0: person saying, "Who's in the middle of what they might call, um, what they think might be an irreconcilable tension, or that they just think this is this is anguish. This sucks. This tension." Yeah. What would you say to someone in the middle of that? Can you think of an example of what kind of uh, horrible sucking tension that might be? Yeah. Say they're um, they're well off. They're they're doing very very well, and they think, "Well, man, do I need to give?" Half my income away to really satisfy my, what I think is my, um, my duty as a Christ follower, you know, and they're miserable from this question, from this tension. They can't enjoy what they have, what they've been blessed with. And they, Uh you know, they can't enjoy
1: their time. (laughs) Reminds me of a, this is supposedly a true story that the IRS got a, a letter, an anonymous letter with a cashier's check that they could not trace. Uh, And the check, the cashier, the cashier's check was for like Mm $5,000. And the note said, I cheated on my taxes last year and I haven't been able to sleep. Here's $5,000. And if I still can't sleep, I'll send more later. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah. So uh, I understand the misery. Uh, I, I more, because I'm a people pleaser. Uh, And I have sufficient wealth that I do struggle with. How much am I supposed to enjoy this and how much am I supposed to just give it away? Mm -hmm. Uh, um, He who blesses the poor is rich before God and will be repaid by God. But he who uh, he uh, but a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Right. So how do I surrender all of my wealth? But I'm also called to leave an inheritance for my children's children. So I'm not, you know, Jesus tells the parable, of the guy who builds extra barns to save all his wealth because he had these harvests and then puts up his feet and retires. And Jesus says, you fool tonight, your life, be you know, so, uh, but I'm supposed to save, but I'm, all, you know, exactly. So there's a lot of tensions there. And so I'd say to the person who feels miserable, as my first advice would be relax, hmm. because this is not life and death. This is nuance. This is. Uh, Joyful obedience to the Father. So uh, instead of trying to get the perfect answer, instead try to follow Jesus through the maze of complexity. And the simplicity is just do what Jesus asks you to do. If you start saying, if you're the rich guy and you don't know how poor you're supposed to be or how much you can enjoy, can I have a private jet? Do I need to drive a used vehicle? Is it okay to have a new vehicle? Should my house be large or small? Blah, blah, blah. Go through it all. Instead of that, just as you navigate, Jesus, when you want me to give something away, just tell me and I'll give it away. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus, if I'm making a purchase that is extravagant and should not be that extravagant, please help me. Uh, There was a pastor I really liked when I was younger. He uh, planted a church that just blew up huge, big in Texas. He wrote books, he was very successful. And he drove a Rolls Royce hmm. and he said he took his wife to the grocery store one Saturday morning and he's sitting in the rolls while she runs there in there to get a few groceries <laughs> and he sees a person from the church yeah, and he laid in the seat so they wouldn't see him. And he knew right then, it was time I got to sell this car. Yeah. If you're that ashamed of yes. it. Yes. So these are the things you just say, Lord, deal with my heart because it's not, God's not wringing his hand saying, why won't this guy get this figured out? Mm-hmm. He's saying, come follow me. Let's do this together. So I say, relax, lower the, lower the RPMs, but also genuinely offer to follow Jesus in these questions. Well, and, and it won't look like anybody else. That's the thing. You can't look at somebody else's story and go, oh, he did it that way. So that's how I'm supposed to do it. Right.
0: That's what I was going to say is it's so personalized. Um, all of these other churches, Paul wasn't saying you got to be circumcised so that these Jews don't have a problem with you. That was just Timothy. That was because Timothy was called to a very specific purpose. Right. So uh, that's another beautiful thing about the faith is how personalized your um,
1: call can be. And a few chapters later, he's telling people who want everybody to get circumcised, I hope you split the you know slip the knife and cut your whole self (laughs) off. I hope you hope you emasculate yourself. Because if you get circumcised, then Christ is of no use to you. Yeah. Well, that guy's getting circumcised because he thinks that obedience to circumcision will save him. Yeah. Um, so man, it's it's complex.
0: Very complex. Yeah. I hope this was useful to uh, any, anyone, anybody. <laughs> Hopefully everybody, but anybody. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, you got one week. Anything you've been like? I wish these guys would talk about this. Yeah. Man, uh, let
1: us know. Flood us with deals, and we will make. Yeah. The the two year episode all
0: listener driven. It'll be a bonanza, and uh, we've already got a few. If we're a little short, we'll come up with something. No pressure on you guys, but but. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And you can, well, the, I, I need to be better at these spiels. You can reach us with those comments at uh, info at jimandjohn.com, no in the John, uh, or through the contact form on the website, jimandjohn.com, or through uh, private messages on Instagram or the comment form on Instagram. Yep. And uh, we would love to hear from you.
1: Have a great day. Thanks for listening.